You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And just as a warning, our conversation today is going to contain some spoilers for up through the end of season two of Orphan Black. So if you have not seen all the way through the end of season two, there could be some spoilers ahead for you. Just a note from the editing room. This is actually the first half of the conversation that we had with Dawson. We ended up talking for a really long time, having a great conversation and a great time. And uh, we ended up talking for about two hours. So rather than have a really, really long episode, we're going to split it up into two episodes. And so this week, we're going to be talking about Tony. And we have a very special guest with us today, Dawson, who is Geek Dawson on Tumblr, who is like fandom famous now. <laughs> a little bit. Minorly. Minorly fandom famous. And uh, we are continuing the... <laughs> sort of tradition of only having people on the podcast who I am at least partially responsible for their watching Orphan Black. I think the only person we've had on the podcast who I am not partially responsible for their watching was Josh Voki, who is on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I remember when Chris was hounding you to watch Orphan Black Dawson. It was pretty relentless, it felt like, on Twitter. <laughs> was it? it? There was a couple days of, of relentless sort of which I, I have no complaints. It's, it's, I'm, I'm all in favor of that. I think at this point, given the shows I have watched because of you, Chris, anything you recommended to me, I would probably at least give, give it a go. <laughs> wow, impressive. I have, <laughs> I have, by the way, I, I shouldn't admit this, but I'm going to admit it. I, I jokingly dubbed myself your fandom fairy godmother. <laughs> That's right. So true. <laughs> You are my fan and fairy godmother, and all my dreams have come true. Aw, that's hey, nice. I was I was tweeted by one of my real life heroes, Graham Hansen, because of you. So, you know. well, he follows you on Twitter now, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Graham does, and Kazima does the the real Kazima. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is super cool. It is. It's very neat. They're they're they were all very kind about all my Tony stuff that I put up. Yeah, the best I got is a Graham Hansen favorited a tweet of mine once. But that's that's nowhere near as cool. So anyway, as as you may have guessed, since Dawson is like fandom famous for his stuff that he's written about Tony, we are talking about LGBT representation, especially in season two, but not exclusively in season two. But we're revisiting the topic in light of season two and the introduction of Tony. And you might also recognize Dawson's voice. He sent in some voice messages that we included at the end of our episode 36, in which we were talking about Orphan Black's episode 208, Variable and Full of Perturbation, which featured Tony. And we got a really good response from those voice messages that you sent in, Dawson. So thank you for, for sending those in. Thanks. Yeah, I got some really lovely messages. So thanks to everybody who listened and sent me really lovely messages about how much you enjoyed that. So I guess we have talked about this topic before, with, prior to season two starting, but we just felt like, especially since we got the addition of Tony to the show, we it was really a topic that was worth revisiting and seeing how the representation of LGBT characters in Orphan Black had expanded in the second season. And I think since, you know, Tony was such a really important piece of representation in season two, I think we should start by talking about him. Makes sense to me. I like Tony. I'll talk about Tony all day. <laughs> so Tony shows up kind of out of nowhere toward the end of the season. 
And I think there would have been some rumblings about maybe about Tatiana maybe playing a trans clone air prior to season two starting. Some people had mentioned the possibility to her. And then we learned that actually she'd kind of been like cooking up that idea from pretty early on, which I thought was really neat that that was kind of almost immediately in her mind as a good addition to our cast of clone characters. Yeah, apparently Tatiana and the hair and makeup guys had been working on creating Tony like in secret during season one. And then at some point, the writers came to her and said, we have this idea. And Tatiana's like, actually, <laughs> I've already been working on that. <laughs> yeah, there's this sort of great quote from her that I'm not going to remember verbatim. But uh, she basically said something like, you know, it was just a no brainer to include a trans person in our show that's about identity. And that was really neat to hear. That's not something I get to hear every day. <laughs> yeah, I was in the... Somebody actually messaged us and was saying, it'd be neat if you did an episode on clones that you would like to see on the show. And that and a, a, either a transgender clone or an intersex clone was, I think, first on my list as being, I thought, like a really potentially interesting clone character to add to the show. Yeah, for sure. I mean, gender is so much a part of one's identity that in a show about identity, it just kind of does. It makes perfect sense um, that they would include a character along those lines who's dealing with gender identity stuff. And so how did you, how do we think that like the reception for Tony was? I feel like I kind of, I saw some really kind of mixed responses to their inclusion of Tony, but I don't know what was sort of y'all's impression of the audience response to Tony. I think it was, it was a very mixed bag. It, it sort of depends on who you ask. I know a lot of people had sort of, um, okay. My response when I watched the Nerd HQ panel where Jordan and Tatiana sort of mentioned a trans clone was like a moment of terror because as a trans person, that's a scary thing because I'll be honest, I've, I've seen a lot of shows and I've seen a lot of movies and rarely have I seen trans characters done well. Right. So even though I, I love the show and I'm a huge fan and have been a huge fan, it was sort of a scary thought to me. And actually, when the episode aired and you first see, you know, Tony pulls down his bandana and you first see his face and you see his facial hair, and um, I'm sitting alone in a room watching this on television, literally said out loud to nobody, oh, God, are we really going to do this? Are they really doing this? And was sort of terrified. And then, of course, the episode played out and I was relieved and excited and it was very cool. But I think a lot of people have that natural knee-jerk reaction, right? That it's tokenism, that it's not done right or not done the way they'd want it. So there's a lot of differing opinions on on how successful it was. Yeah, there was there was a pretty mixed reaction. And uh, I guess that's sort of not surprising, right? I mean, that's just going to be the way stuff plays out with most things. But yeah, and, and they've talked about this at the uh, various panels at San Diego that it's actually kind of a good thing that Tony as a character is polarizing because at least we're having the conversation now. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I think it's one of the most important conversations for me personally that is going on in our culture right now. It is incredibly impactful. I talk a lot about, I believe in the power of storytelling to change the world and this is the way you do it, right? And it's never sort of comfortable. If everybody has the same reaction to something, probably, like if everybody loved Tony, 
and was super happy with Tony and didn't have, you know, any issue with him, we would have talked about it for a week and then we would have moved on. <laughs> but of course, since there was that sort of polarizing thing where you have people who are not trans and don't understand trans people who sort of don't get it and, and are confused, and then you have people who are trans, and even within the trans community, you have sort of a divided set of people, some who really loved Tony and some who didn't. So that generated dialogue and conversation. The fact that we're, you know, the season is long over, and I'm still getting floods of questions, I mean, 10 and 15 questions a day sometimes, about Tony and about trans issues is testament to the fact that it's the conversation has been started and that and continued because he was a polarizing character, and, and I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> And some of that's just orphan black fandom. <laughs> true. Very true. I mean, the the continuing interest, I mean. Very, very true. Plus, it's hiatus. There's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're all As like, oh my gosh. Madness we're sets in. Yeah, hiatus madness, as Chris likes to call it. Yeah, I, I feel like I may be also like kind of divided in a way because I I really thought they did a great job portraying Tony. I thought it was really, really great. But, and I mentioned this when we talked about the episode before, it kind of felt like that episode didn't really, it was kind of a break from the big storyline. And I really wish that Tony had been incorporated into one of the major story arcs more directly. So I too kind of feel a little torn about it because I love what they did with it. I thought they did a really good job with how they portrayed him. But... I worry that because of, of how they inserted him into the storyline in season two, he does end up feeling a bit like tokenism. So I don't know. What, what do you think, Dawson? Um, that's sort of a fascinating question, actually, because I think the reason they, this is going to get into like elements of storytelling. One of the reasons that episode felt like a break was because they gave Tony and Felix, and I know people would say they gave Tony the A story, which is not true. So the way the stories are structured, right, usually you have an A story, a B story, and a C story. Um, the A story taking up the majority of the time and sort of driving the episode forward. Normally our A story in Orphan Black, and Happy Jack, actually, on on Tumblr has a great post about this. I encourage people to go find it. Normally our stories on Orphan Black, um, Sarah has the A story. Not always, but generally. And what they did was they gave Tony and Felix the A story which meant sort of detaching from our ongoing story a little bit because you've removed sort of some of the main drivers, namely Sarah. So, but I, I understand what was probably a dilemma for them in terms of the structures of storytelling, because that would mean it would feel a little off, it would feel a little different, and it would feel disconnected from our main storyline, but it would give them lots of time to explore Tony a little more fully, given they can only fit him into one episode this season which I totally understand, it's a short amount of time, right? So they're working within the constraints of storytelling, and I feel like they were trying to give us time to sort of explore this character so he didn't feel glossed over, which would also make it feel like tokenism. So, I don't know, there's a sort of back and forth there for me of, like, I see the struggle they were probably dealing with, and you kind of can't do both, right? You can't fully explore him and include him as a part of the story, so instead they kind of made it feel a little separate from our main story, but allowed us to explore him more deeply as a character, which I appreciated. Uh, it's sort of six of one, half a dozen of the other. Like, you kind of get one or the other, you can't as much do both. That would be very hard to do. So I see where it ended up the way it did. But I agree. I'd like to see him 
more integrated as a part of the the main story. And hopefully we'll see that in season three. I really hope so, because I'm just I was really taken with him and I want to know more about him. And I really hope that he comes back and is a a recurring character in several episodes next season, if not every episode. I take him in every episode, but I'm very I really want to know more about him. I thought he was a really we got a really interesting little glimpse at Tony, and I really want to know more about him and see more of him. I agree. And I believe they did confirm that Tony would be back in season three. Excellent. That makes me really happy. I will tell you, I was I was at San Diego Comic-Con, and I think I heard more talk about Tony from the cast and writers <laughs> than I did from the fandom, which is not to say the fandom doesn't love Tony, that I know that they do, and everybody's been really great. I just mean, like, Tatiana talks about Tony all the time, and it's it's really cool. And I know John and Graham have both said that they are aware that they'd love to bring Tony back, that Tatiana would love to bring Tony back. Maria Doyle Kennedy was talking about, you know, Tony meeting Mrs. S and things like that, and just, like, things that really excite me, right, to see him as a part of the whole story. Which I think could be awesome. I love that, like, the cast is writing fan fiction now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody needs to write a little, like, Tumblr mini fanfic about Tony and Mrs. S having tea. I would read that. I was going to say, it's, it's not really that they're writing fanfic, it's that they're prompting it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So true. I would totally read that. Orphan Black, the only show where the cast will prompt fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that when you kind of heard about the possibility of having a clone on the show who was transgender, you kind of felt a little scared at first, but after the story played out, you're really excited. So what in, in the way that they portrayed Tony or his storyline didn't make you like upset or, or feel like, you know, what did you feel like they did really well that it didn't have like your fears realized and instead you're like really excited about Tony and, and thought that the the character was handled well like what what in his storyline did they do well that was a really awkwardly phrased question but hopefully you got the gist <laughs> totally understood what you were asking awesome yeah it's okay let me organize my thoughts here a little bit so sort of a great thing that i've seen and i i've written about this in a couple of places all over the place on tumblr and i'm i kind of have my finger on the pulse of tony stuff on tumblr because it it's interesting to me i like to see the fandom response um, which has been spectacular but um most specifically, reading responses from trans men or gender fluid or non-binary people, I've seen almost verbatim so many people say, and I know I said this actually almost immediately after the episode aired, something along the lines of, Tony was a trans character I had no idea that I needed until I saw him. And that was sort of an interesting thing for me and really encapsulates sort of my feeling about this experience. And I think it's a result of this. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this because I'm trying to figure out why Tony's so important to me and seems to be so important to other trans men. I am 10 years post-transition. I've, I've transitioned a long time ago. I'm not, I'm not in the middle of my transition while I'm not trying to figure out who I am. I know who I am, very comfortable in who I am. And it was when I realized that I had never seen a trans man whose story did not revolve around being trans, whose story was not about figuring out he was trans, about transitioning, about the struggles that come with being trans, because I don't want to minimize those things. I'm not saying those aren't great stories. Those are important stories to tell. But they're the only story we ever see about trans men, or at least the only ones I've ever seen. So that Tony was a character who is long past his, his transition. I don't know. Maybe he plans to get surgeries or things. I have no idea. But who clearly has been pretty established in who he is and his gender and his identity for quite some time. 
to be portrayed as this sort of confident and really comfortable in himself character who was complex and had a lot of depth and had, yes, had scars and yes, had struggles and yes, has, you know, sort of a lot to him, who just happens to be trans, right, was really important to me. That's an important story, I think, because we haven't told it, right? Like, that story looks like my story, you know, with the good and the bad and the ugly and sort of the like, yeah, I'm trans, but it's kind of not the thing that I talk about right off the bat, right? It's not the first thing I say about myself to people. It's more a part of my history and a sort of part of the fabric of my life. And Tony is that way as well. And that was really, really cool to see. Yeah, I feel like we are at the point with with stories about transgender folks that we kind of were with our like uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual characters maybe about five years ago or so, and we're we're still struggling. Where like the majority of the stories that that we got for a really long time were all about people realizing that they were gay, that they were attracted to people of the same sex, and that was the only stories that we were seeing. And those again are really important stories to tell. We you know there are tons of people still going through that process every day, but we that's not all it means to be a lesbian, gay, bisexual person is the coming out process. You know, we, we, people go on and they have lives well after that part of the story. And so, yeah, I agree. I feel like Tony, yeah, there's like some stuff around Felix and art realizing, oh, he's a trans clone, but he's a trans guy. But the, the main point of his story is not, oh, hey, he's trans. It's just like, here's this person. He has information. We need to get this information from him. And that's the main part of the story is like this little back and forth between him and Felix, not Tony realizing that he's trans or something like that. It's Tony realizing he's a clone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like the the show does that for for Cosima and Felix and Delphine as well. Delphine had a little kind of, I guess, kind of coming out, but it was like the least angst-free coming out story ever Most on television ever. <laughs> right. So, but, but really their stories are not about the fact that they, that they are queer. It's, their stories are about these other things, you know, being clones and realizing that they're in love with their subject or realizing their sister is a clone and dealing with all of this drama. Yeah. So just a, one small additional thing to that. The, the experience for me, speaking personally from my life, I, I have many, many, many times felt unwelcome in a queer community because my life isn't all about being trans, right? The parts of me that are trans are always welcome in the queer community, right? The parts of me that struggle with gender, the parts of me that are trying to figure out my sexuality, right? Those things are always sort of welcome, but it's kind of interesting. I've experienced in a lot of places this sense, this resistance from the queer community when my life is about other things, right? Things that don't really have anything to do with me being trans, but it's, it's all part of my life. I'm a whole person, right? Just like sort of, you know, Kasima and Delphine are dealing with things having nothing to do with the fact that they like girls. That was a really important thing to me, that Orphan Black, the fandom, the show, is essentially saying, all of you is welcome here, right? And yes, there are things that are true about you, that there are things that are queer about you, there are things that are, you know, there are things that are clone-specific about you, right? But all of that is welcome in this community. There is a place for you here with all of those things. And that was the first time I'd ever really sort of experienced that, that I could be a whole person with a whole story, not necessarily just that I'm trans or not hiding that I'm trans, which I was for not hiding exactly, but not really talking about it for a lot of years. So that was really important to me personally, for sure. Once again, proof that representation really, really matters. 
Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually, you know, it's tangential, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. <laughs> I don't know if either of you remember, but in the 90s, there was a television show called American Girl starring Margaret Cho. Mm-hmm. And my- I loved that show. I was very sad it didn't last very long. We loved that too. And when I say we, I mean me and my parents, because- my dad is Chinese and grew up in America. I mean, he was born here. His parents were born here, but, you know, Chinese. So, like, my dad was unbelievably attached to that show. And it's the same thing, you know? It's that whole, you finally you're seeing some, at least some version of your story on, you know, national media. Mm-hmm. And it's hugely meaningful. Mm -hmm. I saw this post on Tumblr that really encapsulated why representation is important to me. And it's from this young trans guy, very young trans guy. And um, it just said, oh, my God, you guys, I think Tony has the same binder as me. Guys, guys, do you know how cool it is that someone was on television in their underwear and he looks like me in my underwear? And it was just like I was I got choked up reading that. Right. It's the like I remember being young and in the middle of my transition and feeling so alone because you do right you feel like you're the only person who's experiencing these things especially because these stories aren't out there and it was such a powerful thing to me like just this it's a silly thing right it, it feels like a silly thing but it's not it's so important to be able to see reflections of yourself in in popular media and uh, that was really that really encapsulated for me like why representation is important yeah it's really cool and it was done just so subtly it wasn't this like Done, done, done. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. you think it's, it's, you know, a cisgender guy all along and done, done, done. We see a binder. It's just no, we see Tony in the bathroom and you can see that he has a binder on. It's, it was just like so subtle and not a big deal because it's just Tony being Tony. It's just being him being who he is. Yeah. Which again is something I appreciate about Orphan Black is. It sort of treats everything that way. It's just like, this is life. These are people. This is how it is. It doesn't make a huge deal out of stuff like that. Yeah. Here are real people with real people experiences. Here's their stories. <laughs> it's kind of beautiful. So I'm bringing this up just because I saw that you actually wrote an entire response to somebody, to people asking questions about it. But uh, Dawson, I mean, you had a whole thing. Let's talk about Tony's facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> because I've, I saw that you had like a response to people asking you about Tony's facial hair. And so I thought we would talk about Tony's facial hair. People do seem very invested in yes. the topic of Tony's facial hair. We can also talk about the mullet if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is that it's a great thing to talk about. My, the, the post about facial hair was more a sort of little bit of a cautionary thing of like, not don't say you didn't like, don't say that you were unhappy with Tony's facial hair. It like, oh, it's okay to feel that way, right? And, and it did have sort of the, the hallmarks of like stage hair, right? Which is, yeah. it's hard to do facial hair, it, artificial facial hair. It just is. It is. But I will say I appreciated that they put the effort into not overselling the facial hair, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Trans men, most trans men, particularly trans men who have not had hysterectomies, have trouble growing facial hair. I do. My facial hair is very patchy. Um, it's very thin. And, um, it's, it's, it was, it was a good thing to me that Tony's facial hair looks a little bit sparse, a little bit off, 
right? Like, actually, probably he has more facial hair than most trans men would if they have not had a hysterectomy. Having a, your body continues to produce estrogen in large quantities if you have not had a hysterectomy, and that means that it sort of, uh, in some ways, counteracts, it's not exactly scientifically accurate, but in some ways counteracts the effects of testosterone, even if you're taking testosterone. So, yeah, Tony actually probably has a little more facial hair than most most trans men would, and that's a big generalization. Everybody grows different amounts of facial hair. But um, my biggest thing about it was I appreciated that they took the time to do what they could, right, which was facial hair in the right place. Yeah. I, I hope, I want so badly for Tony to shave the parts that are most patchy, and I want to see it in season three so much because that's a thing I've still never seen on television, right? A trans guy shaving. Like, of course you would. You have to. And um, anyway, I, I was pretty happy with Tony's facial hair. I don't think it was it was perfect by any means, but again, facial hair is hard to do. And the post was largely about being cautious with your language because I had seen a lot of people say, oh, his facial hair looks so terrible. But And it was it was a really harsh response, which is it's fair to have those opinions. And I totally get why you would like voice them. And I want people to be able to voice opinions. I was a little nervous for young trans men who may not be like, I'm very established in who I am. I'm not bothered by those things. But what, what those guys might hear would be trans men have weird facial hair and that could make people uncomfortable. So it was more about like, let's, let's, you know, let's talk about the good things. And also let's be aware that there are young trans men out in the world hearing what you're saying about this. So just kind of tread lightly when you're talking about those things was, was my point in the post. Yeah, that that's a very good point. I think I might have used similar kind of strong language, but I it, so I apologize. I was I was meaning like the realness of the hair was it was not very realistic looking in that you could tell it was not hair growing out of out of Tatiana's face. So mm-hmm. it was like very obviously stage hair. But I thought they did a great job as far as placement with kind of it. He had kind of like patchy sideburns, kind of running down along his jaw, but then the majority of his hair was on his chin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, that is generally a very common pattern for, for trans men facial hair to grow. So I, I just like, I really appreciate it because I could tell they did their research and they didn't just like slap a huge, thick, grizzly Adams type beard on Tony to, to try to sell the fact that, that Tony was male and not female. So, so yeah, I, I appreciated the placement of the facial hair for sure. I think you did make that clear in the episode. I I do recall you specifically (laughs) talking about the fact that it looked like it was, you know, staged. Yeah. But it's just, it, it's easier, I think, to make longer beards look more realistic. But Mm -hmm. when they're doing the really short facial hair, it's just hard to make that look super realistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. So, well, and there's a, oh man, what's his URL? Oh, I'm in, I'm blanking on his URL and now I feel bad sort of commented on this this effect that's sort of interesting, and I think people don't think about it when you're not a trans person, but trans people are probably very familiar with it. Knowing what Tatiana looks like as a woman creates, <laughs> interestingly enough, it creates the kind of cognitive dissonance that trans people deal with with dysphoria, right? People are used to seeing her in a certain way. And so when you sort of put things like facial hair, particularly because short facial hair like that is hard to do really, really well. When you sort of do those things to make her look like a man, people still have this image of her in their head as a woman. And so it creates a sort of cognitive dissonance um, where people are trying to fit her into something and it feels fake, right? Because you know what she looks like when she's not Tony. (laughs) And it's funny because trans people experience that as well. 
and he was writing about this, that when people have known you before your transition and then they know you after your transition, I there's nothing about me that seems female, really. Like, I've had surgery, I've been on testosterone, I'm, I'm as male as any other guy you might encounter on the street. People who have trouble with my pronouns and my name are always people who knew me before, right? So it's sort of interesting how you can kind of experience that as a as a cis person by watching Tatiana and if you pay attention, or at least for most people, I think they'll be able to feel that sort of cognitive dissonance where there's a part of you trying to fit her back in the mold you know her in. And so I think that contributes as well with sort of people struggling to see her as a man. And that's an interesting thing, I think, for people to explore in themselves, sort of how how I describe what it's like to be trans, right? <laughs> that there's that dissonance. This, you know it's not quite right. That is interesting because I think that is the criticism I've read most often. The people who have issues with Tony, that is usually what it is. Because I've heard this comment several times and I don't fully understand it, but maybe they're coming, maybe this is the perspective that they're coming from that you're talking about, Dawson. As I've heard a couple people say, well, you know, of all the cl- clones, it's just ta- Tone is the only one I don't buy because I, I just see Tatiana, mm-hmm. which doesn't really make sense to me because Tony and Tatiana don't aren't really alike at all. Like their personalities are very different. Their speech mm-hmm. patterns are very different. Their mannerisms are very different. If if I had to look at any of the clones and say I see Tatiana, it'd probably be Jennifer. Like she has the closest personality and like mannerisms and stuff to to Tatiana. But maybe that's kind of what they're getting at is that they when they look at Tony, they don't see, they still see Tatiana as a woman. They don't see Tatiana as a man, maybe. Do you think that is maybe where they're coming from? I have no idea. Obviously, you can't speak for them, but maybe that's what they're, what they're getting at. I would bet that, yes, that's probably a contributing factor for a lot of people. I mean, like you said, obviously, I can't speak for those people, but I, I would, I would bet hard, hard cash money that that's a big part of it, right? One of the things about gender in our culture, and I talk about this a lot, but there's a broader conversation to be had around gender. It's not just trans people exist and are valid in their genders. It's how we perceive gender as a whole. And in our culture, we perceive gender as very binary and very fixed, right? Gender is not fluid. Gender is not changeable. And also that gender has certain rules to it. So the fact that we know Tatiana so well, and we, I think for a lot of people, it's the struggle of, right, Tatiana as a woman. So when you see Tony, you immediately go, wait, but that's Tatiana. That's not, you know what I mean? Your brain is trying to shift her back to what you know, what you're most comfortable with. And that's a sort of fascinating thing to explore, in my opinion, because it's a, it's a, it's an interesting perspective on how we perceive gender in our culture. It's not that Tony is more like Tatiana, although I think there's a lot of Tatiana in Tony. And I could talk about that. I find that interesting. And some other, I have some interesting things about that, actually. But there's not more of Tatiana in Tony than there is in any of the other clones. It's that our brains are trying to force Tony back to what we know Tatiana to be, right? It's, it's trying to, our brains are trying harder to see Tatiana than they are when she's playing female clone. So that's sort of an interesting, take that as you will, right? It has to do with our culture and gender and how we perceive gender and is sort of fascinating to me. Yeah, you, you mentioned having, having Tatiana play Tony and she has mentioned in interviews where she, uh, the fact that in this circumstance, it was kind of difficult. They couldn't necessarily get a trans actor to come in and play Tony because, you know, Tatiana is playing all of, all of the clones. I think 
maybe they could have gotten really lucky and, and Tatiana might have, might have had a really talented brother who might have been able to to come in and play Tony. But, you know, it's it's unlikely in the situation that they might. Uh, it's well, not unlikely, but it's like it's difficult in the situation that they can't cast really cast a trans actor to play a trans character. But so how do you I don't know. How do you feel like that works out having a cisgender actor playing trans characters? Yeah. So generally speaking, okay, two two parts to that. Cis women playing trans men is generally problematic in the same way that a cis woman playing a cis man would be weird, right? It's weird as a trans guy to see a woman playing a trans man because if you take away the qualifier trans, he's just a man and therefore you, you certainly cast the wrong gender. Like you could cast a cis man to play a trans man or a cis woman to play a trans woman, right? The, the idea is, is the one to one there. But in this particular scenario, and I've been really vocal about this, and I actually, I wrote a little thing about it, and I might expand on that. Not only do we have a show that is a clone show that the, the premise of the show is Tatiana plays all of these clones. Not only do we have that, but going deeper into that, part of the story they're telling is that here are these human beings who all sort of come from the same base genetics and develop into these complex, different, unique individuals. And as that we're all part of the same whole, right? We all come from the same place. And we're all just as valid and just as acceptable variations in humanity as as any other, right? From Kasima to Allison to Rachel, right? These are all human beings, and they all come from the same genetics, come from the same place. They're all part of the whole. I actually probably would have been very upset if they had hired some other actor to play Tony, because essentially what you're doing is saying trans people are not part of that whole, right? That they, they, they are separate and should be handled differently. Why would we handle Tony as a clone any differently than we handle all these other clones? If you had clones and they were all being played by actors who looked similar, then okay, fine. Find a similar looking actor to play Tony. But in this case, that's not the story. We're telling the story of community and connection and how we can have these same faces and be very, very different people and how we're all part of the varied humanity in this world. And to set Tony apart in that way with some other actor would I would have made me upset. I don't know how other people in the trans community feel. I think with this show, I would not have wanted a trans actor to play Tony. It would have been very uncomfortable. It would have felt otherizing to me. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was just, I was happy to hear Tatiana make that comment about being aware of the importance of having trans actors play trans characters. Cause I think it's been fantastic that we've had uh, Laverne Cox playing a trans character on, on Orange is the New Black. Absolutely. And, and that part of the quality of what I appreciate about this show and Tony and what they've done is, and I wrote a thing about this not that long ago. The effect of people who are part of a, a group with certain privileges, right? Cis people have cis privilege. That's that's just how it is. That Tatiana and Graham and John have all sort of used that privilege as a platform to point to this discussion and say, we are not authorities on this, but we think it's an important topic to raise, right? We want to see trans actors in roles for trans people, right? We didn't do it here because of the circumstances of our show but that these are things that are important and questions that need to be asked and things that need to be discussed. That's hugely important. That can change something from 
feeling offensive to someone who has the microphone, using that microphone to raise the profile of something important. And that's really amazing to me. I definitely consider those folks my, my real life heroes. Like they're, they're doing good work in my opinion. I do appreciate how respectful they've been of everything. For sure. And they say over and over again, this is not the trans story. This is Tony's story. Yeah. In the way that Cosima yes. is not the gay story, right? It's Cosima's story. So another aspect of Tony that I, I really loved and I thought was really interesting is that we see Tony being really flirtatious with, with Felix and expressing that he finds Felix attractive. And, and I mentioned when we originally talked about Tony, I, I feel like oftentimes when we get trans characters, that's not the case where we, where we see them being attracted to people who identify the same gender as they do. And, and I love that we get to see this really kind of sexual, sexy scene between Felix and Tony. I totally ship felony. I totally do. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, we still don't kind of have a handle on really what Tony's sexuality is. And that's, that's fine. That's perfectly great. But, but I like that they kind of opened it up to a possibility of him being a, a like sexually fluid character. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, again, back to like, I'm always a proponent of telling stories we haven't told in popular media, and this is one I think that doesn't get told very often, right? Which is, there are lots of trans men in the world who are attracted to other men. Either, you know, however they identify, there are lots of trans men who are attracted to other men. And that's such a, I don't know, to me was a really lovely thing to see that, you know, I think often when we tell the stories of trans men, we tell them in the context of the lesbian community, because a lot of trans men come from the lesbian community before they figure out that they're trans. So it was cool to see this sort of fluidity for Tony and, and Felix. And Tony and Felix, man. Plus, like, the opportunity for storytelling there is so amazing. Like, uh, more for, like, how it's going to impact Felix and what that means and his relationship with Sarah and, like, the whole sort of story that's such a rich sort of thing to play with. I was, I'm, I know a lot of people have commented, like, it was weird and it made me uncomfortable. And I like that Orphan Black does those things. Right. That they're like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. And yes, it's going to make people uncomfortable, but let's let's do it. Right. Let's see how this goes and explore these complicated topics and explore identity in complicated ways, which is what the show is about. This is very cool. I was super stoked about it. Tony and Felix, hot and awkward. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, man. I also so. um huh. This is actually something I haven't written about and have been thinking about. Tony gets very aggressive and upset with Felix towards the end mm-hmm. of the episode, right? I think everybody remembers he's like packing his bags really angrily. Like, you had all night to tell me things. He's, this is sort of after Tony has kissed Felix and Felix kind of pulled away and it was a very sort of uncomfortable moment. And you can see Tony being upset. And I wanted to kind of put some context to this because I, I wonder sometimes if people caught all the implications of what was going on here. It was, a little bit subtle, maybe, and I have experience to hopefully make it make sure that I hope people understood it, which was that for Tony, because he doesn't know he's a clone, ten to one says he assumes Felix's issue is that he's trans, mm. right? So that Felix is is pulling away and uncomfortable because Tony's trans, which is a incredibly painful thing. Having been there, um, that's a really hurtful thing for trans people to experience, and. So I love that the the sort of 
implication of that. And then, and then Tony meets Sarah. And immediately after that, he becomes very friendly and very nice and very affectionate with Felix, right? And very like, suddenly it's clear to him that this isn't about him being trans at all. This is far, far different. And, and maybe more understandable to him why, why it's a little uncomfortable and strange for Felix. And I thought that was a really beautiful sort of crossed wires kind of thing that Tony was probably assuming something that wasn't actually the issue and Felix couldn't tell him what the real issue was. And it was, it was, um, yeah, it was kind of cool. I enjoyed it. I hope people read all of that in those scenes because I, I, it's pretty subtle. Yeah, because he is. He's very, like, friendly and flirty again when he's saying goodbye to Felix and I, and he gets in his sister kisser mm-hmm. line. And yeah, yeah, I I think I kind of assumed that, but I hadn't really thought about it that deeply. So thank you. That was a good kind of articulation of what, what might have been going on there for him. And suddenly the line about, uh, you are so like my sister, entirely new context. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Though I feel like Sarah and Tony are a lot of like. Oh, I even, agree. If they didn't look similar, they they have I think a lot of a lot in common personality wise. Oh, I yes. misspoke. Really, it's not an entirely new context, but there's a new depth to that statement. <laughs> yeah, there's a new depth to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> there's so many layers to that statement. <laughs> so we we've heard from Maria Doyle Kennedy about wanting wanting Mrs. S to have tea with Tony. Do you have any, do, you know, do we have any particular wishes for Tony's storylines in season three since we're, we're pretty sure he's coming back? I'm pretty committed. Besides shaving, we want him to shave. <laughs> yes. I, I would like a scene. This is really, I'm going to describe it. It's important. I would like a scene in Felix's bathroom, which is filthy. <laughs> and has no door. And has no door. <laughs> so it's easy to shoot people in the bathroom. I would just like Tony, like in the bathroom, like, in the background, right? Like, maybe with, like, one cut to him, like, shaving cream on his face, like, shaving, while Felix is, like, talking to him from out, or Sarah, or somebody's talking to him from out. That's what I want. Just, like, really simple, like, day-to-day life. This is a part of his life, right? That's, that's important to me. Um, <laughs> other than that, I would love to see him interact with Mrs. S. Absolutely. Um, as soon as Maria Doyle Kennedy said that, I was like, yes! <gasps> yes! <laughs> Especially after all the comments about Tony's terrible family. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, Tony finding a family is near and dear to my heart. I want that really badly. Maybe I'll just write fan fiction about it. Cause, you know, there's gonna be heartache and struggle. Of course there will. It's a television show. But, <laughs> I, I would like Tony to, I would like to be able to see the show explore his, his family issues, which are really common for a lot of trans people experience struggles with their family. Um, a lot of queer people experience struggle with not just trans people. I would love to see him kind of become part of the sisterhood because he'd be an awesome brother and a great uncle to Kira. I'd love to see him meet Kira. I would love it if Tony met Allison and Kazima, mm, yeah. especially after the comments from looking at Felix's paintings. <laughs> Speaking of Felix's paintings, I, I know this couldn't have been in their heads at all when they orig- when they created the painting that Sarah that uh, Felix did of Sarah for her wake where he painted a penis on the bottom you know mm-hmm. but i loved how they brought that back into play in a really interesting way when tony was confronting felix with all of the paintings that he found of the people who looked exactly like him yep i loved that it was such a lovely sort of great prop work guys good job <laughs> it was it was a good callback 
Yeah, yeah. So since we know that monitors tend to be romantically involved with their subjects, do we think that Sammy was romantically involved with Tony? Hmm. I feel like I've heard this question asked before, and my answer is still, who knows? I know, it's the show you can't really ever tell. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of doubt it, to be perfectly honest. Me too. I kind of doubt it. Just, I I don't think this is going to sound super weird, maybe. I don't think Tony would let someone he was romantically involved with close enough to be a good monitor, and I think Sammy probably knew that. You know what I mean? Like, I think Tony probably has more walls against his romantic partners than he does his best friend. I think that's the way to, you know, monitors are, are, their job is to become completely attached to this individual. And for Tony, that would be someone who could be like family to him. And I think that'd be easier to do as a friend. Yeah. Fair enough. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I was just going to say my impression from just how Tony talked about Sammy, it was more that he was talking about him as a really dear friend and not as a romantic partner. But, but yeah, who knows with this show, they could come back and completely, you know, blow our theories out of the water. Right. I mean, I do tend to agree with both of you, but it's just one of those things. Mm -hmm. Given, given the patterns that we've seen, I wondered what you both thought. Right. They probably had a drunken feeling at least once. That's what I think. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, so we're also, I just wanted to throw out there that because Tony is now part of the group of clones, we're referring to the caster clones as the caster clones. The the clones played by Ari Millen are the caster clones rather than the male clones. Because this is something we've seen a lot in fandom, right? People calling the Ari Millen series of clones the male clones. But Tony is a male clone, but Tony is not played by Ari Millen, so... We're going to refer and to them. And he's not part of the Caster Project. So. Right. So we're going to refer to them. As, that is what I meant. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to refer to the, the clone series as Lita clones and Caster clones. So just throw it out there. PSA. <laughs> I wrote a whole thing about that, actually. And I, I saw a lot of nice response from that. I, I wrote a thing about being aware that saying male clones is erasing Tony kind of. Um, even though I know that's not how people intend it, right? That's Which is why right. I write these things. It's always the, like, I know people don't mean it this way. Here's something to think about, right? <laughs> um, and I saw a lot of nice response from that. A lot of people saying, oh, I hadn't thought of this. That really makes sense. I'm going to refer to them as Catholic. And that was nice to see that everybody was really fine for the most part. Yeah, I feel like as soon as we stopped recording our episode for for talking about 208, I sat back and I was like, oh, shoot. We need to figure out what words we're going to use. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did, to talk I, about the different clone lines. <laughs> but we didn't have the second clone line at the end of two hundred eight. Oh, that's. I'm sorry. I meant two ten. Um, I meant two ten. When we when we stopped recording our episode about two ten, I was like, oh no, we need to think about this. Like, what's the best way to to refer to the different lines and have it really be clear? It's like, do we go by the actor names? Do we? Yeah. yeah. So, because male and female doesn't work, and but I, I like Lita clones and caster clones. So. Yeah, me too. I did make a crack about I did make a crack about how we should call him Mark Two because I was going for a pun. <laughs> Mark, <laughs> the clone line with Mark in it. Never mind. You're hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, it was. I pointed out to people that like when the episode when the season finale aired immediately after that, I posted a thing. I think I titled it like uh, "My Thoughts on the Male Clones" or something like that. 
like I'm mm-hmm. a trans dude, and even I didn't think of it until I started to see it over and over again. And then I, someone was talking about Tony and the Captain Clones in the same sort of post, and I was like, you know, I don't think I'm comfortable referring to them as the male clones. Like that's not really accurate. Right. Um, so it, it, I mean, it took me a little bit. We're all even trans people, right? In sort of we grow up in the, this cultural understanding of what gender is, so we all have dismantling and deconstructing to do to start sort of understanding and being more respectful of, of people who don't fall into the standard accepted gender binary. Because I, I remember we, we brought that up, I think, in the Season 2 roundtable, and one of our fellow panelists, I think, was trying to disagree with calling them Lita clones because they felt like the the young clones that we saw at, in the finale were maybe part of a different project, but... I don't know. I think that's maybe a little hair splitty. I think Lita and Caster clones make sense to most people. I think that'll work. Right. I think their argument was that Project Lita wasn't in existence anymore. So it was some offshoot project. But, you know, it's still obviously from the same genetic material. Exactly. So I think yeah. it's it's fair enough to group them that way, especially since there's only the one. Yeah. <laughs> we could we could just call her the uh, the is it Charlotte? It is yes, Charlotte. Charlotte. Right? We could just call her the Charlotte series, but it's a series of one. So it just, <laughs> let her be a Lita clone. <laughs> the Lita clones plus Charlotte. It's like a new girl group that we're starting. <laughs> Charlotte and the Lita. Charlotte and the Lita clones. <laughs> <laughs> though I did have a thought, though. Do we think that, because Felix is a, is a brother-sister, is Tony a brother-sister, do we think? I think that's a reasonable way to refer to him. I like, I'm a huge fan of Bro Clone. A lot of people have been calling him the Bro Clone. Okay. I like Bro Clone quite a lot. Um, I think you could legitimately refer to him as brother sister. That'd be, that'd be reasonable. I don't see anything wrong with that. Like, I, I tend to be fairly flexible about, like, how people want to refer to Tony. As long as you don't call him a woman or a sister, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say, I've started to get a little uncomfortable with how much I see Tony referred to as the trans clone. Which maybe sounds funny because I'm all in favor of bringing attention to trans issues and, but there's, we don't call Kasima the, the queer clone, right? Or the gay clone or the bi clone or whatever it is she identifies as having never officially been designated. We, we don't do that, right? So why is Tony boiled down to his gender? And I, I wrote a thing about that on Tumblr actually and, and a lot of people kind of chimed in and were like, maybe it's because we don't know much about him or maybe this or that, but that's, that, that's an, a sort of funny thing that, like, I always tell people, like, that's not the first thing I say about myself. <laughs> Therefore, right. it's probably not the first thing Tony would say about himself. <laughs> so, I'm, I, it's funny, like, I've started to kind of veer away from calling him the trans clone in almost any circumstance, just because it's, it's because it's been happening a lot. And I think it's mostly in the media and from critics, right? Because people are, it's sort of the most sensational, quote unquote, sensational thing about him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've just, I've gotten a little, cringy about that. I just don't want to see him boiled down to that. The well, cast and crew and writers have given us every all the pieces we need to make him not a token character and it's kind of up to us now to not tokenize him. Right? I, I guess the thing that I would say is that they've done that to the other characters too. Uh, not Sarah so much, but you know, Allison is the soccer mom and Kasima's the scientist. You know, they've they've assigned and, things. And I have I have seen them refer to Kasima as the the lesbian clone or something like that a couple of times. Hmm. Right, but but, but my, I but my I my do point hope, being, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. My point being that those also actually irritate me. 
Yeah. That that keeps happening. Because, again, the point of the series is that everybody is more than your first blush impression, you know? Right. And it sort of goes back to what Jordan Gavaris was saying at San Diego Comic Con, that, you know, we like to be reductive, or we tend to be reductive, or whatever it is he says. And that that's what's happening with all these things. And I don't love it. I understand why it's happening, but I it bothers me, too. So That's a really great example of why the story the show is telling is so important, right? <laughs> the, right. Because that's a huge theme in the show, is we are not one thing, right? And being reductionist in that way can be harmful, right? It can be hurtful to people and, and gives us all a false impression of other human beings around us. And um, I I don't know. I like when response from media and from even from fandoms sort of illustrates the point of the themes of the show. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm the same way, Chris. Like, I, I know that people do that, and it kind of makes me uncomfortable because that's one of the themes of the show that I've really started to try to want, I want to embrace more in my life. I don't want to be reductionist in that way. And, um, yeah, I think it's a great, again, back to starting conversations. It's always good to start conversations. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, if, especially if Tony comes back, that that type of language will die down. I think it, I can kind of understand why it's happening a lot right now after he was first introduced, but hopefully <laughs> once people kind of get past the whole, oh, they introduced a, a character who's transgender, that they, they will move on from just referring to Tony, to Tony as just that. Yeah, totally. I hope so. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah. Cause it bugs me when I see people refer to the other clones as just like, oh, the lesbian clone or the soccer mom clone or what have you. Right, right. And this is just a little addendum from the editing room. Earlier, I mentioned a TV series called American Girl. The name of the show is actually All American Girl. I remembered it wrong because it was quite a while ago. And yes, it's it's about a Korean family and not a Chinese family, but there's there there was enough similarity that uh you know, it was meaningful to my dad. Thank you to Dawson for joining us this week. He's Geek Dawson on Tumblr, and you should check out his blog if you haven't yet. He has some interesting, insightful things to say. Worth checking out. And please send us any feedback you have about this content. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can send us an email to feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can also send us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of the website. You can also leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at tatianaiseveryone.com slash 44. We are on Twitter at TIE podcast and on Facebook. And we'd like to thank everybody who's left us reviews or ratings on iTunes and Stitcher and all that sort of thing. And this week, all the things that Dawson wrote about on his blog were played by Tatiana Maslany. Thanks for listening. <laughs>